I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Visit Wales are proud to sponsor the RHS Gardening Podcast. To find out more about Wales's beautiful and historic gardens, go to visitwales.com slash gardens. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast sponsored by Visit Wales. Each fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening plant care, pest control, container ideas, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Sean Thomas, Garden Visits Editor of the RHS Monthly Magazine for members, The Garden. Coming up in this edition, garden design, why it's an important consideration for every garden, big or small, how you can receive seeds from the RHS, and, as always, we'll have the latest news on events and spring activities in all four RHS gardens. But first, let's join the experts at RHS Garden Wisley and Surrey to find out what jobs the horticultural teams are tackling this month. OK, so it's Matthew Pottage, Garden Manager at RHS Garden Wisley. So my, some of my observations on the recent storms and on all the recent winds we've been having are really around fairly newly planted trees. One thing I've observed in a few cases at Wisley and actually a few street trees and in people's gardens are young trees that have maybe been in the ground five, six, seven years. They've started to establish but now they're leaning at odd angles or they've blown over altogether. And in my experience that's often down to very pot-bound tree stock going in the ground. The roots haven't been teased out properly and while the plant's grown away that root system that's spiralling around has just continued to spiral and spiral and the roots don't anchor themselves properly so while the tree looks to be establishing and growing away actually it's not very tolerant of any wind throw or it's not very sturdy generally and then down the tree goes and it's absolutely hopeless because those trees are not going to establish properly now they need pulling out they need replacing and it really emphasizes the need to buy tree stock that's not been sitting around in pots for years and years or if you're going to go for something that you can't resist it's in a reduced area of the garden center it's been in a pot for 10 years take the secretary to those roots, pull them apart, tease them out and help get them growing away from the tree rather than around in a big coil. Hello, my name is Jeff Denton and I'm one of the plant pathologists based at RHS Wisley Gardens. One thing to look out for this month is tulip fire. This is a fungal disease that causes spotting on the leaves, um, very small spotting that will then elongate and enlarge and then come up. Initially they're just general dark brown lesions but if uh, humid and wet conditions occur you can start to see fuzzy growth this can actually cause on early infections of leaves can actually cause the growth to be distorted 
and when they're in flower can also affect the petals and leaves and stems as well. This is a major problem and unfortunately there's no fungicides able to treat the plants when they are infected. So the best course of action is as soon as it is seen to remove the affected leaves or plant material. If they are severely affected it would be best to remove the whole plant. They are able to survive between the scales on the bulbs and therefore if you do find a whole plant it would be best to remove the whole bulb and try and avoid replanting in that same area again. My name is Mario. I'm responsible for the vegetable garden here at RHS Wisley. And uh, it's now the end of February and I already started sowing the more cold-resistant crops such as spinach and uh, early carrots, radishes and salad leaves which I'll keep covered with fleas until I'm 100% sure that the weather is improving. Um, that also helps to prevent pests such as flea beetle and any early generation of uh, carrot fly. I've also started planting out the shallots and cheating the potatoes. Cheating the potatoes is just a way of saying that I allow them to shoot, to produce some shoots prior to uh, planting them in the ground. Uh, first of all, I can choose the best mm, looking uh, potatoes um, and secondly, speed up the production. You can find more tips and advice and video guides to seasonal tasks in the garden on the gardening pages of the RHS website, rhs.org.uk slash gardening. I'm Sean Thomas and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Designing a garden from scratch can be a challenge and it's often difficult to know where to start. Even redesigning an existing garden, a part of the garden or just one flower bed can prove tricky. So where do you start? We went to meet designer James Alexander Sinclair to find out. Hello, my name is James Alexander Sinclair and I am a garden designer. Uh, and I have been asked a question, which is, what is garden design? And I'm going to try very hard to answer that for you. Garden design basically affects everybody. It's not just, just a sort of smart, high-end thing for the for people who have enormous amounts of money. What it is, basically, if we boil it down, is it is a way of organising your garden and making sure that all the things you need in your garden are in the right place. So, for example, a bit of bad garden design is if you walk out of your uh, back door and it takes you 20 minutes on a very roundabout path in order to get to your washing line. You don't want that. What you want to be able to do is to go out of your back door and get to the place where you want to very quickly. For your children to, to uh, go into the garden and have to wade through an ornamental pond with perhaps a plastic heron in order to get to the place where they play football is bad garden design. So it's really just a matter of working out what you want in your garden and how you're going to arrange it. Basically, there are three things that you have to consider when you are designing a garden, either for somebody else or indeed for yourself. And uh, the first thing is how are you going to use it? If you have, you know, 12 children and four dogs, then you really want a sort of open space where they can run around in rather than something ornate and intricate and well-planted. If, on the other hand, you just have, you know, you and a partner, then you can do almost anything you want. So, so you're basically designing for the way that people live, and you have to take that into consideration. The second thing you have to take into consideration is the style of the house in which you are living. So if you live in, 
which we say, if you live in a little sort of thatched cottage with sort of low eaves and, and, and little mullioned windows and, 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 you know, roses across the front door, then you do not want to walk out of the door into a sort of modernist paradise. Uh, you'd want to try and avoid, you know, stainless steel and mirrors and all that sort of thing because it won't fit in with the house and it will always jar. Likewise, if you live in something designed by Frank Lloyd Wright that is, that is all, all glass and, and exposed steel beams, then possibly an English country garden is the wrong thing to have. So, so, so those, those are two things. The third thing is what else you can see from your garden. So, so if you live in the countryside, you might have a view over fields or something like that. You want to make sure that that becomes part of your garden. If you live in a town, there could be a distant vista of a church spire or an interesting building or a big tree that is in somebody else's garden. Because one of the things is, is the best place for a mature oak tree is next door. Because then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about planting underneath it or anything like that. All you have to do is appreciate the view of it. So those are the three basic things that you have to consider, first of all, when you are designing a garden. So, so assuming for, you know, for, the, for, for the sake of argument that, that, that you basically you want a bit of lawn for the kids to run around on, you want maybe a bit of vegetable, vegetable garden so that you can just grow the basic things, uh, and then something that's going to be a bit pretty and possibly a patio upon which you can sit uh, to enjoy a drink at the end of the day. If you have a garden, almost everybody wants to use it to sit in, to relax in. Think about where you're going to put that patio. The obvious place to put it is right outside your back door because then you are close to the kitchen and you don't have to carry your, your, your flaming sausages too far down to the other end of the garden. And that is basically the most sensible thing to do is you have it close to the house. However, there is one time when that is not such a good idea. If in the evening there is no sunshine there, and yet there is sunshine right at the end of your garden, bearing in mind that the sun will set in the west. So, so if you have a, a, a western aspect, then actually it's probably worthwhile building some sort of patio or some sort of sitting area right down the other end of the garden so you catch the last bit of the sun. Because the time when you're going to be doing this sort of um, entertaining uh, and, and, and living the ideal home life, lifestyle is going to be in the evening. You're going to come back from work and you're going to be quite tired and you're going to want to have a glass of wine. You want to just go and catch the last bit of sunshine if you have a chair small table down that end, then that's also worth doing. So, so that's your sort of hard, hard landscaping bit. Somewhere to sit. The second thing is, is if you've got um, kids that want to run around and kick football and all that sort of thing, then really a piece of grass is what you want. If you have a small garden, however, sometimes grass is a bad idea. If you have, you know, turf growing and children are going to run around a, a, a lot, then they will wear it out very, very fast. And the other thing, if you have turf, you then have to have a shed where you can put the lawnmower, you know, all of these sort of things. So, so actually, and I know this may sound iconoclastic, but if you have a small garden, it's actually quite interesting to think about, and I shall whisper this, fake grass. <gasps> I know. But it, it, it lasts forever. Uh, the quality of it is much better than it used to be. I mean, ten years ago it looked like that stuff that you used to find in greengrocers' windows, uh, and now it's actually much, much better, and it doesn't give you give you carpet burns whenever you fall over on it. But obviously, it's better to have to have proper turf and all of those things, but, but you could think of, of fake grass. So, so you, we've got now, uh, within this sort of imaginary garden that we're thinking of, we've got a patio, so we've got somewhere, somewhere hard to sit. We've got a bit of grass for the children to, to, to play in, and now you want to work out the pretty bits. Uh, there has been a resurgence recently of the idea of growing something to eat. 
Uh, and everybody's saying, oh, yeah, you must grow your own food, you must grow your own vegetables. And it is a very, very satisfying thing to do, to be able to go out into your garden and, and pick what you want and come back and cook it. So if you're just starting, and if you're just beginning, then just, just do it simply and, and, and grow things that are difficult to find in supermarkets. Personally, I think that the best thing you can have is maybe a freshly dug new potato. One of the, one of the most delicious things possibly, you know, because you still smells of smells of the earth and tastes taste taste of worms and things like that. Um, uh, you can grow them in a dustbin or in a bin bag or in a small patch. So you could you could just pop out and dig 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 up a plant, and that's it. The other thing that's quite good is, is lots of lettuce, and you would tend to grow cut and come again lettuce, which is basically not. Uh, a big sort of iceberg lettuce that you dig up and that's it done. There are lots of little leaves that you cut off bits of them and then they will come back again, cut off bits and they will come back again, cut off bits and they will come back again. So this is sort of simplified vegetable growing and the sort of thing that, that, that you should start with, particularly if you are a novice gardener. The other thing that, that a novice gardener should always have if you want to grow stuff to eat is a herb garden. A herb garden is really easy, but never plant a herb garden at the shady end of your garden because it will always disappoint you. Herbs, by their very nature, are mostly sort of Mediterranean plants, and they need heat. So, 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 so we have this sort of sort of uh, productive area. So you've got productive bit, a bit of vegetables, a bit of herbs. You've got the playing bit. You've got the sitting bit. And now you want something pretty. And so now what you're thinking of is you're thinking of of, of plants that will just give you something else, something something that, that that will give you something nice to look at, maybe a bit of scent, a bit of all of all of these sort of things. And, so, and this is where it becomes marginally more complicated because. Even the most, um, you know, novice of gardeners will realise that there are thousands and thousands of plants to choose from. And your garden is not big enough to grow all of them. So you have to actually cut it down and work out what you're going to do. So the horticultural bit of it is that you have to discover a couple of things. First of all, what sort of soil do you have? Uh, Soil comes in many different guises. It is not just brown, muddy stuff. You can have clay soil. Clay soil is quite heavy. Uh, and uh, tends to be difficult to work, but it has got lots of nutrition in it, and so that's an, an advantage. Uh, you can tell that you have a clay cell if you just go and dig up a bit of soil from your garden, put it in your hand, and squeeze it as hard as you can. And then when you release the pressure on that piece of soil, if it stays in a reasonably solid ball, you have a clay soil. Bosh. Uh, the second sort of most basic sort of soil that you're going to find is a sort of sandy soil, which is sort of stuff that will drain very, very quickly, uh, which means that it doesn't hold the water, which means that you'll have to keep watering the plants that are in it. But um, and the way to find that out is to do the same test, and if that ball that you have squeezed falls apart, then you have a more sandy soil. So that's the sort of, I mean, it, it's not extremely scientific, but it works, just that simple sort of principle. Um, the second uh, differentiation that you have between soil is whether it is acid or whether it is alkaline. Acid soil uh, will grow some plants, alkaline soil will grow others. Most soils in this country are somewhere in the middle, so you'll be okay. So, so the things to remember are do not be overambitious. Make sure that you arrange your garden according to the way that you live. Don't do anything silly and just think of the whole thing all... As, as really just rearranging the furniture. Garden designer James Alexander Sinclair. In the next edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast, James will be sharing some ingenious design techniques to help make the most out of those small spaces. 
If you'd like to find out more about garden design, why not visit the London Plant and Design Show here in the Lawrence and Lindley Halls in London on 21st and 22nd February. You can hear talks by top designers or have your questions answered by experts from the Society of Garden Designers. Plus, fresh winter colour and early flowering plants will be exhibited by some of the UK's best nurserymen and growers with an abundance of bulbs and plants to buy. Other events you can enjoy in the coming weeks at our four RHS gardens. Come to RHS Garden Harlow Carr on 26th of February from 10am to noon for a practical introduction to seed sowing. Learn how to sow seeds of different sizes into pots, trays and modules and have a go at pricking out seedlings and potting on young plants. See an exciting art exhibition at RHS Garden Rosemore from 1st of March to 23rd of April featuring botanical paintings and drawings of rare local plants from the southwest of England. Keep an eye out for pictures portraying white beams that have evolved from the unique habitat of the Avon Gorge near Bristol. Come to RHS Garden Wisley on 5th of March at 10.30am to 4pm and learn how to increase your stock of plants. This full day course will go through the basics of propagation and show you the best techniques to produce the most successful results, whether you are sowing seeds or taking cuttings. Bring the children along to RHS Garden Hyde Hall on 5th of March from 10.30am to 12pm for the Little Acorns Preschool Gardening Club, an hour and a half session to give kids a passion for gardening. Details of all these events, as always, are on the website at rhs.org.uk gardens. As a member of the RHS, one of the many benefits is the opportunity to order seeds, which have been harvested by hand from RHS Gardens Wisley in Surrey, Hyde Hall in Essex, Harlow Carr in Yorkshire and Rosemore in Devon. There are some exciting and unusual seed varieties which are collected, packaged and sent out to members by our dedicated team. We met with Heather Cook, leader of the RHS seed team at RHS Garden Wisley, to find out more about this unique service. Hello, my name is Heather Cook and I am team leader for SEED. So the SEED scheme has been running for over 100 years now and it's a membership benefit. So members can order up to 12 packets of SEED for £8.50 and all of our SEED is hand-gathered, hand-picked from the four RHS gardens and we have a small uh, team who collect, clean, dry and then pack the seed for members. It runs from the 1st of November through to the end of March so members are able right now to order their seed and they can do that either by going online or you can contact the membership services team or you can send them an email which is membership at rhs.org.uk This year we've got... 114 different things on the list but in addition to that we've also got eight collections and our collections this year are we've got a self-sowers collection so that's um, things which once you've, you've you've grown them and planted them out into the garden if they're given the right conditions then, then you know they'll grow from one year to the next um, we've got an easy to grow collection which are things which are really easy to germinate um, we've got a meadow mix collection, which is things that we've collected from the pictorial meadow and other meadow sites around the garden. We have a, a cut flower collection, again, which is some nice flowers that you can, you can grow in your garden and cut and bring indoors. 
we have a shady space collection, a dry garden collection, or we have uh, a connoisseur's collection, which is some more, more of our more sort of unusual things to grow, some choice things there. And we've also got a perfect for pollinators collection. So if you're looking for plants that are good for insects, then, then that might be one to go for. Um, in addition, we've got a selection of annuals, and herbaceous perennials, some grasses, trees and shrubs, alpine plants, a whole variety of different things on our list this year. I particularly like the Actea simplex atroperperea group, actually. I haven't grown that before. I think it might be quite a tricky one to actually grow from seed, but I think it look, it's a beautiful late summer herbaceous perennial. It looks absolutely stunning here at Wisley, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of go, go for the challenge and grow something like that. It's a purple foliage, purple kind of a very um, sort of lacy-like foliage with tall spires of, of white sort of pinky flowers with, with quite a nice scent actually. Another one that I'm going to try this year is Oenothera versicolor. Gorgeous, lovely, orangey flowers. And this is another herbaceous perennial. So it's got bowl-shaped orange flowers. And you get a, a sort of a long succession of bright orange to red flowers um, with sort of mid-green foliage. So I'm hoping that that's going to be really good for the insects as well. Heather Cook, leader of the RHS Seed Team. If you'd like details on how you can become a member of the RHS, just go to rhs.org.uk slash join. We're out of time on this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast, sponsored by Visit Wales. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter, at the underscore RHS, and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Sean Thomas, and the podcast team, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. 
and you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.